Hey fam, it's Lexi here to welcome you to the You Can Through Christ podcast. I am so honored and excited you're here. I pray these words give you the confidence to know you can do all things through Him. He is for you, loves you, and made you for an exact purpose for this life and the one to come. Stay tuned to find out. God knows you better than you know yourself and he wants your marriage to thrive. Proverbs 24, 12 says, Does not he who guards your life know it? He designed the marriage you are in just for you, referencing Genesis 24, 14, where it specifically talks about how God chose Rebecca for Isaac, and he wants to help you make the most of it. I truly believe the person you marry, God handpicked just for you, but once you are married, God has given you the responsibility to take care of his child. He tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. He commands wives to respect their husbands. Both require selflessness. I many times desire to lead in submitting to something I have made a consistent effort to practice and pray on. A reminder, he is not placing more value on one more than the other, simply that both the husband and wife have different roles. 1 Peter 3, 6-7 says, They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called her her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Maybe you are married to someone who does not believe in Jesus as their Savior, but 1 Peter 3, 1-2 says, They, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. I'm sure this can go for you too, husbands. Your conduct and prayers for your spouse are never wasted. God wants us to choose to love him, and in the same way, we need to choose to love your husband or wife, even in their shortcomings. Can you imagine having a husband or wife or someone else, just even in general, who is continually praying for you every day? I really think this is one of the best ways to show genuine love for someone. God gives wives the perfect example of what it means to bring life to their husbands and unfortunately how we can do just the opposite. Proverbs 12, 4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Proverbs 8, 22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Then we find a quarrelsome and nagging wife is compared to the constant dripping of a roof. And God says, it is better to live in a desert or in the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome and nagging wife, according to Proverbs 19.13, Proverbs 27.15, Proverbs 21.9, Proverbs 25.24, and Proverbs 21.19. Guys, God has such a sense of humor and it's the best. Here we can see being a wife can be the greatest gift to a husband and yet we can also be their greatest discouragement to the point where it's better to live on their roof or in the middle of nowhere than to live with us. Ladies, this is how much power you have. Your words can speak life or death. 
I don't know about you, but when I've been in relationships and hear my nagging voice, I want to go live in the desert and somehow get away from it too. I understand how tempting it is to nag. I mean, come on, can they not just get it right? How do they not see what they're doing is wrong? The thing is, even if your significant other or spouse is truly doing something wrong, nagging will still not change the situation and definitely will not change someone's heart. You can say how you feel without nagging. And then the action comes in praying God changes your spouse instead of you trying to, and that God can change your heart as well when applicable. Instead of making your focus on not to nag, try turning your focus to what you should be doing, which is talked about in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, which says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And Jeremiah 29.5 says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. So for those who think being romantic is worldly or not in the Bible, you have not read the book Song of Songs. As previously mentioned, God loves romanticism. He made it. Marriage between a husband and wife is the display of how much Jesus loves the church to give his life for her. I don't think it gets more romantic than that. Song of Songs 1 verse 2 says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. God loves the physical touch of being romantic. Song of Songs 3-4 says, When I found the one my heart loves, I held him and would not let go. Song of, so- Song of Songs 8-6 says, Place me like a seal over your heart. Song of Songs 4-9-11 says, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. 
How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice? Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Song of Songs 5-4 says, my heart began to pound for him. All right, you get the point. I could keep reading as it gets more intense, but I'm sure you get the picture. God loves love, and we should too. Understanding romance under God is not only good, but the best in reaching the fullness of how it was designed. Malachi 2, 13-16 says, You weep and wail because he, as in God, no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offering. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. God loves you no matter what you have done in this life and does not want you to live in guilt. He just warns against divorce because he knows it causes violence where he wants there to be love. It is for your protection that God gives this command. I want to be real here. I bet if you asked anyone who is married, hey, have you thought about divorce? If they say no, I bet they're lying. (laughs) There's no way two sinners can live together and it does not at least cross your mind. This is where spiritual warfare is though, is in the mind. I think it is unrealistic for me to ask you not to be tempted as we all are. However, when the thought of divorce even enters your mind, I encourage you to do something about it in the way that you think about your husband or your wife. A great tactic is for every complaint that is about your spouse or significant other, acknowledge the complaint may be real and hard, but turn it around with what is something positive about them and why you married them in the first place. The mind is so powerful and can help recreate those feelings that everyone's longing for of love and that you felt in the first place when you got married. Friendly reminder, as I've said multiple times, God loves romanticism and he wants your marriage to thrive. If your marriage is struggling, pray for your spouse and pray God brings that romanticism back where it belongs. God wants your marriage to work more than anyone, and he cares about you and your spouse more than anyone. He cares about your intimacy. He hurts with you, and he wants to help. I encourage you to give it to him. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. God is all about grace and second chances if you haven't been able to tell so far and wants us to do the same for one another and that includes in your relationship. So let's talk about forgiving ourselves, which can sometimes be the hardest person for us to forgive. Also, many times when we commit a sin, we will sincerely repent, but then we're confused as to why the consequences of our sin are still happening to us. A specific situation comes up in my life when I was in eighth grade. 
I was in a relationship that was very serious at the time, believe it or not, because I wanted to fit in though. I responded to inappropriate emails from another guy, unfortunately a different guy in my class, even while I was in a relationship and guilt flooded my life. Psalm 38, 3-4 says, Because of my sin, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I prayed for God to forgive me, the boy I was in a relationship with to forgive me, my friends to forgive me, and ultimately my entire grade to forgive me. Even though I know God had forgiven me, it did not stop the aftermath of all the hurt and wounded relationships. This may sound like an innocent story of a girl in grade school or middle school making a small mistake for wrong self-gain, but looking back, it was honestly one of the most depressive periods in my life. However, if God would not have had the consequences be as severe as I saw them as a 14-year-old girl, I would not have a very healthy fear that I have today in staying faithful in a relationship. John 8, 3-11 says, The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. But what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, un until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the perfect picture, no matter where you are in a, your situation right now, Jesus will save you from your bondage or sin, but he will lovingly address it as he loves you too much to leave you stuck in it. Once a cheater, always a cheater is not true. And with Christ, anyone can be changed. Your marriage can thrive today. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thanks for hanging out with us. For more, go to youcanthroughchrist.com. You are loved.